Hello, hello, this is Tracy Harrell, and welcome to Bigger Than Me. Each week, we focus on how to achieve your definition of success and happiness. On Bigger Than Me, we bring together a combination of ageless wisdom, the latest research, and engaging interviews with amazing people who are sharing their stories to help each of us achieve our full potential. Your journey to transformation begins right now. Let's do this. Okay, everybody, welcome to Bigger Than Me. We just had Tracy drop out of the Zoom meeting unexpectedly really quick. So while we wait on her to return, let's go ahead and reintroduce ourselves. And we'll start with you, Coach A.M. Williams. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Coach A.M. Williams. I'm a results coach, and um, I specialize in helping experts create the leverage they des- create the leverage they need to get the results they desire. And I'm happy to be on the panel today. Thank you for joining us, Coach Williams. And now George Frost. I'm George Frost. I'm a, a owner and a principal of GW Frost and Associates, a consulting firm, and I'm also an ordained minister. And um, I, my mission in life is to make the world a better place through helping make people better people to live with and in our environment a better uh, place to live in. Welcome again, George Frost and Albert Urena. Hello, everyone. My name is Albert Urena. I'm currently residing in South Florida, originally from the Dominican Republic. I'm an international best-selling author of the compilation book, Ignite Happiness. And my mission is life. My brand is transformation is possible. I'm working with teenagers to help them get out of drugs and street gangs and be able to express who they really are in God. It's an honor to be here and sharing the stage with you all. Wonderful. And we're very glad to have you here, Albert. And Jerry Tart, please introduce yourself now. Yes. Hello, everybody. I am Dr. Jerry Tart, and I'm here in Orlando, Florida. I am a, um, a, psych, uh, a psychotherapist. I've been in the been private practice for more than 20 years and been in the field of psychology for more than 40. My uh, mission or goal is to um, assist others in recognizing their wholeness and overcoming difficulties that they have by uh, understanding that um, they have all that they need within them but to try to help uh, reveal that, assist them in revealing that and take them through um, their traumatic experiences by shifting their paradigms. And last but not least, we have joining us for the second hour in this 3 p.m. time for Bigger Than Me, Yvonne Powell. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, it's Dr. Yvonne Terrell Powell. Hello, everyone. Um, I am the Vice President for Equity and Inclusion at Edmonds College. Uh, I'm also a licensed mental health counselor, uh, and I am the co-author of a book uh, entitled An Intentional Walk with God, 101 Days Journey. Uh, I'm glad to uh, be here and have an opportunity to talk about equity uh, and inclusion and its importance. Um, I think for me, our voices matter, but also our voices must um, be action-focused and in the now. Wonderful. And just as a recap, in the last hour since you weren't here, Yvonne, uh, how about Dr. Jerry Tart? Would you like to give us up to speed, especially Yvonne Powell, about what we discussed in the last hour? Well, there she is. Oh, now we got Tracy back. <laughs> 
so we'll let her do that. That's great. Uh, Tracy, you're yeah. muted right now, so go ahead and unmute. Seems like we're still having a little difficulty having her connect with her microphone. Still don't hear Tracy. All right. So, Dr. Tart, why don't you say uh, a little bit about what happened in the last hour for Dr. Powell? Well, thank you. Um, uh, the last hour, I met these wonderful people who had so much wisdom, so very much wisdom. And one of the things that um, we all shared or had in common is recognizing that um, our lives may have a number of difficulties, but um, there is a manner in which it is that we can overcome if we truly believe that. One of the things that we heard, I, I, I heard of, of, of fabulous, heart-wrenching stories of um, uh, Coach A.M. and Albert um, and, uh, and, and words of, of affirmations and encouragements from uh, George. We were able to talk at, about things that have uh, been, that could very easily be so devastating. And we, I, we know, and as a clinician, I know that there are so many people who believe that they can't overcome those kinds of difficulties. But during our last hour, we talked about some things that truly helped us to understand that we can overcome our difficulties. And it's not just exclusive to any one of us, but all of us, if it is that we choose to believe that and do the work, because it does require stepping into it and getting done what needs to be done and getting our obstacles out of the way. So. That's kind of, I think I can hear me now. Hey, oh, we got yeah. Tracy back. Hey, Tracy. Oh, you can hear me. Yay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yay. See, this is the beauty of live TV. I just love this. When you're on a, when you're on a mission, what they tell us is it doesn't matter what happens. Like this, our goal is to put it out there into the universe. And you guys are all so amazing. Again, these are divine connections so that I know that whatever I would say, thought I was going to say, whatever we shared, you guys could each represent the positive energy and the goal that we're trying to accomplish. So should I, should I just shut off and let you guys handle this? Well, we Should just I finished introducing it? everybody. So. <laughs> okay, I'll stay. I'll stay. I'll stay. I'll stay. I'll stay. It's okay. I'll stay. So what, what I'm excited about is we just ended, again, an amazing show for those who are watching on Facebook Live as well. The show really was talking about how do we, how do you, how do you help someone to achieve the results they want in life, the results and the joy, both things in life, despite obstacles. And then the next conversation I'm bringing these amazing people into is this idea or this concept of how do we achieve racial equity and inclusion in business, in multiple systems, really, in business, education, wealth, and health. That's the work that I'm doing right now. So my business, my passion is around those two things. And so believe it or not, I actually believe that you could bring them together, that, that you can achieve racial equity and inclusion in business is my primary focus, although all of those, so I think we can do business quickly. Let's talk about racial equity and inclusion in business. The, the, the only person that's new to this conversation, so I'm going to have her introduce herself first, and then we'll go back around and have everyone do a quick introduction and then, and then, and then answer this, 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 the, the primary question. So I'm going to have Dr. Yvonne Terrell Powell introduce herself, tell us who you are and what you do for a living, and then I also want you to answer the question, why is this idea or this concept of achieving racial equity and inclusion in business education, wealth, and health in systems. But let's just focus on business. Let's keep, keep the conversation a little bit focused. Why is it so important that we focus on having these conversations right now? 
Well, I did get a chance to introduce myself, but I'll just uh, sort of jump in there again. So then um, just answer the question. Don't bother. Just answer the question. Don't, don't let me circle you around. All right. So why uh, is the concept in business now? I guess for me, it, it's difficult to answer just in business because it's not just in business. Because it's systemic and uh, structural, it's not just business. And many of the same um, issues that we find in business, we find in the government, we find in higher education, we find in um, um, you know, police, you find in medical, you find in health. So it's just everywhere. Education, so yes. So for me to say like, why business? Right, so, because so, then, so, then, so then I will, I will have you answer the question in general. The, 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 the project that I'm leading, it is called Achieving Racial Equity and Inclusion in Systems in yeah. Business, Education, Wealth, and Health. I know for a fact that the expertise that I bring to the table, we can help leaders and business owners achieve racial equity and inclusion in business faster. I didn't say let's achieve racial equity and inclusion in, in law enforcement, for example. There are too many municipalities, too much going on. That that's not an area where I think we can drive immediate change. But in business... There's a business case for diversity. We know why it's important. We know that it's important. And we actually know what to do to drive change. That's the only reason my, in my brain I'm saying that particular one. Again, not that we don't need to achieve it any other place, but if you had to talk to Satya Nadella, or you were talking to a business owner, an entrepreneur who, said, who, who was really, you know, we wanted to get them to think about this particular topic, achieving racial equity and inclusion in business in general, why is it important and why now? Well, I think, and I think I've said this before, it's always been important. Um, the, and we've always been fighting for uh, racial equity and equity in business, whether it's racial equity, gender equity. Remember race intersects with a variety of other identities. So whether that's gender, age, disability, et cetera, there's an intersection. And so it's always been there. We just found ourselves in a, a critical moment that many of us we didn't even expect, but we are here. You know, after the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, um, George Floyd, we could keep going because they continue to happen. Um, something happened in the atmosphere. Um, something happened in the environment where folks were more willing to stand up. I think COVID might play a role in that too, because we can't run from it. We are, you know, we are uh. glued to our televisions, we're glued to Zoom, we're glued to something, right? And so we couldn't just go outside again and just pretend as if nothing happened. So I think uh, why is the time now? Because it's always been now. And more people are, if you're listening to the voices of the people in your organization and external to your organization, they are telling you, we want to be included. We want to have more justice. We want to be in spaces where our voices are there, right? So I think the time is now because people are pushing more. Right. People are saying now is the time. The environment and the culture has changed. And so if you're not listening to your people at this time, then you really won't find yourself looking futuristic. And so I would tell right. them if you are futuristic thinkers, right, because that's what they say they are. Right. If you are futuristic thinking thinkers, you're in innovative, you're strategic and intentional. Now is the time. Right. Now is the time to hear your people and then begin to change policies, procedures, and practices and make a difference. I love that. I love that. Uh, George, I know you and I have some connection to do a number of different ways, but one of the ones that really relates to business and achieving racial equity and inclusion in business is our connection to Tabor 100. Can you tell us a little bit about, again, why achieving racial equity is in, racial equity and inclusion is important in business? I know you have this, why black businesses matter. Why is it important? Is George here? George, you're muted. Oh. 
Um, well, you know, I, I wrote the piece about uh, black businesses, uh, why black businesses matter. Um, you know, basically because I guess before uh, Dr. Yvonne was talking about uh, the times that we're in, the, the urgency of the times we're in, and the situations that people are, are fed up to, and um, and we're at a critical time uh, and moment uh, in, in our nation here, and. Um, but I, I've had, you know, worked for government and, and outside of government as a consultant, and I've seen a this disparity with still when it came to consulting and construction contracting for a long period of time, uh, even in employment as well. But um, but black businesses, I, I believe, were kind of still being left out. I, I read his disparity studies, uh, and I didn't really need to read disparity studies to find that out. I mean, I can see it by the practices that were going on around me and in the governments that I, I was involved with, right. I could see that. And so, um, but I think the idea that all of a sudden the attention when people said, oh, black lives really do matter. I said, okay, part of that, that effort is that black businesses matter too. We have 41% of black and Latinx of businesses that are, uh, that are actually going out of business. And uh, then you read where it's very difficult for businesses that are owned by people of color to get loans, because I think cash consideration, uh, cash connections and considerations matter. Cash is one of those uh, difficulties that people of color uh, were particularly having and still having is just the whole attention that people are having now. Right. Uh, and I think part of that is a God thing, uh, even out of the midst of I something bad, some good could come. I love that, but, I love that. Thank you, George. Albert, mm -hmm. you're of Latin descent, Latin heritage, what would you say about black lives? Why do black lives matter? Not that all lives don't matter, because I've always been in all lives do matter. Uh, we have Patricia who comes on the show and she says, of course, all houses matter in your neighborhood, but if there's a house on fire, there's one house that needs a little bit more attention than the other houses, right? So is there anything you can share with us about your perspective about this uh, achieving racial equity and inclusion? Again, all lives matter. No matter what race you are, we want to ensure that there's inclusion for everyone. So let's talk about inclusion for all. It's not even about racial inclusion, to, to Yvonne's point. It's about inclusion where you're the only woman on a team of men, if you're the only introvert on a team of extroverts, if you have a disability, whatever those particular needs are, it all matters. So let's talk about why it's so important to talk about equity, racial equity and inclusion in business. Yeah, definitely, Tracy, thank you very much. Um, this is actually a really important conversation that we need to have, and this is the divine timing to be having this conversation. As you said, I'm, I'm from Latin descent, I'm Dominican. And as a Dominican kid, I always grew up, you know, with Haitians as, as my neighbors. And we always had this um, separation just because of the color of our skin. We always had this separation of here in the United States, me growing up, or you're the Latino group, you're the black group, you're the white group. There's always this separation. And one of my core values in life is unity and acceptance, accepting people for who they are as they are. One of my core beliefs in life is that we are all one. We were all created in the image and likeness of God. At the end of the day, our skin color is nothing but tissue, but we made it so much that we have to separate ourselves. And I believe we're living in crucial times because I'm seeing the evolution of human consciousness. Before humans, we had the consciousness of 
ethnocentricism. It's me, it's us versus you. It's Latinos versus whites or black versus whites. But now um, humanity is evolving into what I, what I call um, um, a philosopher, Richard Branson, he calls it word centrism. We are getting to realize that we are all one, that we are in this together, no matter the color of our skin. And when it comes to business, we are also moving from a competition mindset to a collaboration mindset. And like me and you, what we're doing right now, Tracy, we're collaborating on this amazing compilation book, and we have people from all over the world. And I believe that the more we contribute, the more we collaborate, the faster we get to heal the nations, the faster we get to heal our own wounds, because we all experience separation of racism in some form or another in our lives. But the faster that we get to collaborate and create things together, I the love faster it. humanity will see each other as one. I love that. Love it, love it, love it. Coach A.M. Williams, same question. Why is it so important that we have this conversation about achieving racial equity and inclusion? Well, uh, for me, it all goes back to the value conversation. Because especially when you're talking about business, the transaction of um, providing a service for a service is providing something of value to someone that believes that what you have is perceived to be of greater value to them. And because that is the case, it is an extremely important to understand what matters to people most. Well, companies have done that for years. And that's exactly the reason why we're one of the, the largest, if not the largest consumers groups on the face of the planet. Globalization made the world smaller, meaning that we're more interconnected with people from all nationalities. We're connected with them and that means more customers. That means understanding more needs. That means understanding what matters to people most. And if you're going to be effective, you have to pay attention to what matters in other cultures. We have to be more culturally sensitive. We have to be more racially sensitive yeah. in order to be effective in business. It has to be. I love if it. We're really going to you know, be effective in, in transaction business in this era. And why now? Because all there is is now. Oh, all right now, all there is is now. I am with you, Dr. Jerry Bird-Tart. Same question, why is it so important that we have this conversation? And I've involved you in this work since the very beginning. Like you, you, you're, you've probably been with me the longest. And I feel like we're at a, 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 an amazing place in this journey where we have so many people engaged. We have the right voices. What we haven't done is um, completely moved the action step forward for some of these large corporations that we know there's different actions. And we've done these monthly initiatives. My question is for those who might be watching, who watching this video later on and they're looking back wondering why, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's a problem. What would you say to someone about why it's so important that we have this conversation and continue this conversation and really turn from conversation to activation. Our next steps in November and December are all about activation. It's all about getting the results. We've been, we've been moving the conversation forward to help people understand the power of telling their story. Now we wanna, we wanna move forward with the, the, the right actions. So can you tell us why this is so important that we have this conversation that we move from conversation to activation and why right now? 
I think one of the reasons that we had the conversations, it was necessary because right. as I said early on in terms of my introduction, it's about shifting one's paradigm. We can all recognize that we've been going through this. There's something similar to this that hasn't just, it did, this isn't the first time that it has happened. I mean, decades, we've been going through something similar. Why now? I think the pandemic does have something to do with it. As uh, Dr. Yvonne was talking early on, we are confined, we're looking, we're, we're right there with Zoom, TV or whatever. And more important, I think just as important is that we recognize that um, the consumers, as the coach said, everybody is a consumer. I mean, you can, you can order something uh, from across the, on the other side of the world and have it here in seven days. And you don't know what color those people are. So the point here is why now? Why? Because we are all consumers and because we want to survive. We are all experiencing this. There is a reason for us to understand that it is imperative that we uh, uh, act on it through, uh, you say, you talk about activation, there must be empathy. So with empathy, oh. there's going to be concern. There's going to be consideration. There's going to, there's going to be the, the, the reality that we're dealing with another human being just like us, not unlike what Alfred is saying, that has some of the same needs that we're talking about and, the rea and, and how we go about doing that is we have to ask ourselves, if I order something from you and you're over in Africa, do I want, do, uh, uh, is it going to be the quality that I'm looking for or right here in the US? If you don't, we don't, you know, wherever it is that we are, the effort is, are you paying attention to what it is that you say that you want and moving? Why is it that we have to move? Because we've talked, we've shared, oh. we've said, we've opened the door. We've asked you to share your, your emotional investments in these and where you are. And, and we've taken that in consideration and black lives, brown lives, white lives, uh, red lives, all our <laughs> lives matter. But we're talking about how are we inclusive? We are inclusive because we are inclusive. We're all human beings. Oh, we have, we, need, we are going to take the, the, the privilege away unless it's extended to everybody. So oh. we're gonna look at it from that perspective and we're going to recognize that there are some sensitivities that each of us must be. I mean, regardless of our color, creed, ethnicity, gender. We have it. to be sensitive to what's going on because everybody believes in their conviction. So as we put it on the table, where are those things that touch? Because we may be more in agreement than we are, we are not in agreement. So if there's just one thing that we are not in agreement with, it's easier to work on that one thing than, than uh, and, and because we realize that there are four things that we already agree upon. That's mm. what I'm saying. So right now, right now is the time because people are saying, if not now, then when? This if is not now. If this not now, then when? It then sounds when? like we are all in alignment, 100% in alignment. If not now, then when could we possibly do this work? If not now, if in our lifetimes, we'll never have an opportunity to move things forward like we do right now. And so my next question is, I heard you mention the word and each of you kind of alluded to this idea of inclusion. Now I wrote a white paper and I'm actually writing in a national magazine uh, for, it's being published uh, in November here. Um, and, and writing in a book called Ignite Inclusion. So we have, we have a whole, pull, actually I'm not writing in a book, I'm pulling that book together. Part of the work that we're doing right now is gonna be in a book called Ignite Inclusion. Because what we realize is inclusion is the solution. Now, I, it's funny in the first white paper, the first line in the, in, in the thing in, in this document says, the business case for diversity is a failed strategy. It's failed, which means for 40 years we've been talking about diversity. We've been talking about the business case for diversity, not saying that the idea of diversity has failed. We're saying that we haven't done the work. 
we have not created a space by which we can benefit from diversity in the way that we defined it in that diversity business case. There was articles in Fast Company, in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Harvard, the, the, you know, I can go on and on and on, right? The, the, um, on and on and on. It's very clear that only companies and only leaders who focus on exercising their muscles of inclusion will ever see the benefits of diversity. So that's why we're focused on inclusion. We're saying it's a failed strategy. If we keep doing things the way we've been doing it, it's a failed strategy. What we're bringing to the table as a part of this Bigger Than Me success series is the answer. We know the answer. I could tell you right now exactly what you need to do in any company, any business leader, and I am a consultant, absolutely looking for sponsorship. So I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there, pause and put it on the table. If you want the answer, we got it. It's Tracy, T-R-A-C-I, at itsallbiggerthanme.com. Just saying. It's very clear, and it's us. We're the solution. It's actually not even complex. It's not a mystery. I ain't hiding it from you. As a matter of fact, I'm giving it away. The reason I'm hosting all these community webinars, the reason I'm doing weekly YouTubes, and I haven't been active on social media, so I haven't even been marketing these. So we're going to take all these messages and get them out there. That's what AM is going to help me to do. Get all these messages out there into, into the world because it's free. We ain't trying to hide it. I'm not trying to, right? It's not like we, we got the cure for polio and we're waiting to get paid for it. No, we have the cure for inclusion, which is huge huge and we're giving it away but there are some people who i think are going to want and need some 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 coaching and we got you on that one too now what i'm going to ask you dr yvonne terrell is as we bring this community together because we are the solution it is about us thinking about sharing our stories having non-diverse people because again when we, we had our first couple of webinars and it was all 90 to 80 percent black people the second time we focused on just allies just advocates. We're like, we can't have a conversation amongst ourselves. This has to be a conversation with those who are in the majority so that this, so that we can actually drive change. So once again, let's focus on the activation, this idea of inclusion. What would you say as it relates to inclusion, why inclusion is more important than, than diversity? Break it down for people who may be, may not be clear. Well, I would just say, I think we all know that, you know, diversity is just all of us. We're all diverse in the room, whether it's your age, your ability, um, your geographical location, your intellect, like us, we're, we're all diverse right here. Any environment you go into, it's diverse. Um, so, but when we begin to talk about inclusion, um, inclusion is, you know, someone said before, like, you know, what is it when we begin to talk about access? Or we begin to talk about power, or we begin to talk about decision making, um, or um, you know, strategy or intent. You know, inclusion is more about sort of the broader, the broader view when we begin to talk about these issues. And where am I included in that conversation? Where am I included within your organization? Am I at the? Am I just? And I don't mean this negatively, but am I only seeing folks in your, um, let's say, facilities or your janitorial um, space? Okay call that inclusion or are you able to see us throughout the entire organization? I also want us to be careful when we say that inclusion is the solution. And, and, and I'll say that because inclusion is the solution depending on what is your definition of inclusion. Yes. If definition is around 
full participation. It is around belonging. It is around policies, procedures, and practices, and making sure all people um, from diverse backgrounds are moving through your organization. Then you begin to talk more about inclusion and having the ability to make transformative change. I also want to say when we talk about racial equity, in my opinion, you cannot talk about racial equity within any organization without talking about the impact of instructional, uh, in, uh, institutional racism or organizational racism. Other than that, you find yourself putting a Band-Aid on the issue rather than going deep and saying, this is the problem and how it manifests, right? It manifests in a certain way. And so how do we look at that certain way to create policies, procedures, practices, and ensure everyone is a part of the, the structure and what's going on? So that's I how that. talk about it. Thank you so much. I love that so much. And what we've talked about in past sessions is this idea of the systemic change. It does require us to, thank you very much, define inclusion consistently, or at least define it in a way that is aligned with systemic change, right? Because again, inclusion could, could, could mean one thing, but if it doesn't mean what it needs to, if it doesn't include those elements that relate to systemic change, to your point, we will never, we would never still reap the benefits of diversity um, the way it's been defined in our business case for diversity. So I cannot believe you only have 20 minutes left, guys. So we're going to move, jump, jump forward, express ourselves forward to this concept. We've had people come on and we've, we've talked about the, the challenges of unconscious bias. We've done tons of research, business cases, and uh, tons of research. And we know that the key, the four key challenges with, um, I'll say, Black professionals advancing in business include things like unconscious bias, unequal performance standards, similarity bias or the lack of support structures, and then there's a lack of CEO accountability, which means we talk about diversity and inclusion, but we really don't activate, we haven't put into place those to you, what you just mentioned, Yvonne, those systemic elements that are going to ensure that the policies, the procedures, and those elements that we know are, are important, that they're gonna change and people are gonna be measured against those changes. So the concept of accountability is huge. So we've had tons of people come on and tell amazing stories about their lack of inclusion or how they were, uh, how, how unconscious bias impacted them. And my question to, to, to each of you is, have you experienced um, an element of exclusion where you realize you're only responsibility right now i mean we got 20 minutes left in this conversation so i'm have each of you share something for the young people if you think about the urgency for this conversation we haven't even taught our young people about what they might experience many of us haven't talked about unconscious bias they get there i've had i've had young people in my office crying wanting to commit suicide because they came into corporate america went to college got an education came into corporate america and experienced some shenanigans and wanted to take their own life because we haven't educated them on what could happen or what they need to do to fix it. And again, they can't fix it alone, but even the idea of explaining to them that there is a system in place. So Dr. Tart, I want to come to you and, and, and have you first clarify the trauma that can happen when people are excluded. I think we, we, we disconnect the idea of unconscious bias with actual trauma. Can you talk a moment about the trauma that people experience in business when they're excluded and why we need to focus on safety of our people? I mean, if we just broke it down, I call it corporate chokeholds, unconscious bias, similarity bias, unequal performance standards. Those are corporate chokeholds. Take your knee off the neck, give people space to breathe. And when those things happen to black people because of our historical 
right understanding of racism we're, we're even greater greatly impacted so talk about the black experience if you can dr tart with unconscious bias and these things that that cause such trauma in business i, I want to say initially that i think that sometimes we don't call it that because we don't necessarily know the tool that we are supposed to use or we think that it's it's just us or something is wrong with the way that we're thinking because we we look out at the sea of people and it seems as if they are functional and something is wrong because we aren't seemingly um, um, dealing with it as, as they are dealing with it with it from what from from our perspective but I've said to you before and I'm going to say it again we don't call it what it is because sometimes it's too frightening to believe that we are dealing with this system and we don't know what to do it's like the monster in the room and the lights are out so the, the reality here is, uh, is it really trauma or is it because something is wrong with me? But the reality, but that when we recognize that if I say to you, Tracy, that I am going through this dynamic and you said, Jerry, guess what? I have too. Now I realize that I'm not alone. And then I say it to Yvonne and then I say it to coach and then I said to George, then I said to Albert and we're saying, I know that feeling, I've experienced that. So I think that your question was, how do we share that with those that are that are uh, coming into the systems, those young people who, who, who don't know the story, they don't necessarily believe that that the, the world could have been that horrific, the experiences against people, uh, uh, humans could have been that awful or whatever. So we, we, we have to take them and first off tell them breathe i'm very serious about that and then to realize let's hear let me hear your narrative because if you go and tell your narrative to somebody who might look different from you they may not understand they don't have a place to put it so we want you to understand that first and foremost let's call it by its name and then we can find the effective tools to get you to where you need to be and and just as we were saying in the hour before it's going to take courage yes it's frightening but you aren't alone that concept of a village, you recognize that village may not be in the same office or the same room or even in the same organization, but there are others out there who understand that. And when we call it by its name and we say that it's trauma, and then we realize, do you not know that when you have this traumatic experience, your view of the world is going to be twisted just a little bit. So we're going to try to bring you back in alignment for survival, for survival. And sometimes the choices may be different than what you had hoped for. But the reality is that this is the system that we are working to try to change. And in our change, we have to be confident that we've got what it takes. And if we don't, we are willing to do the due diligence to get what we want. And we're willing to use our voices. That's the biggest thing of all, Tracy. It's about using your voice. It's about believing that you have the right to say stop. You have the right to ask. You have the right to even change your mind. The reality of understanding that it is imperative, not, you know, when we were talking about inclusive and inclusion and those, what's the definition? What, just as, just as Dr. Yvonne was saying, what is that definition? Are we working within the confines of that? Or, or, or are the rules changing as the clock is ticking by the minute? You know, and it's only changing for one side of the room, but it's not changing for the other side of the room. Are you willing to say, wait a minute, the clock is ticking and you said that this is it, but everybody over here looks different than everybody over here. Are you willing to say that? Because that's, that feels risky, but it doesn't mean that simply because you say that you have to end your life. And I'm going back to the person that you were mm -hmm. referring to before, but the, the difference is that our experience, our narrative is ours, whether others believe it or not, doesn't make it not our narrative. 
It's mm. our narrative. And, and we asked, are you willing to hear my narrative and accept it as a truism, right? And I if not, it. then therein lies a major, a major issue right there. I love it. One of the things we, we've started when we started this initiative back in June, July, our first session was on 7-7, then we had one on 8-8 and then 9-9. We had one on 10-29. Our next one is on 11-19. But what really is important is the power of telling our story. And we brought in videos of Brene Brown, who I love. And what Brene Brown says is stories that we own, we get to write the ending. And stories that we don't own, they own us. So this is about owning our stories. The Bigger Than Me success series, this initiative around achieving racial equity and inclusion in business, this is about owning our stories, creating the results that we want. Coach AM, you're a results coach. So I got to come to you real quick. Now, the power of owning your story, what advice would you tell to someone who has experienced what we know to be trauma in business, unconscious bias, unequal performance standards, you've seen it, you're like, this is some shenanigans, right? We, you've had that experience. We're creating a safe space. Maybe you don't have it in your organization, but that's what we're doing. We're going to train leaders on what to do. We're going to train professionals on what they can do as well. So my question to you is, what advice would you tell someone from a results perspective? Let's go to a leader who has someone on their team, or maybe you're the person who experienced the trauma. Either way, what advice would you tell to either of those individuals about how to just pause and hear the story? First, you got to acknowledge that there's a problem. Well, I, I personally have to take it back to uh, my own story. Please. Um, remember when I was saying, when I was in the hospital bed, I kept hearing the voice that said something in your life could be leveraged to create something that you want. Now, I was in a hospital, okay, in a hospital bed. It didn't matter that I had degrees. It didn't matter that I could sell. I was still in a hospital and a hospital bed. What I had to realize is that I had two choices. I could seek validation or I could discover my value. So I could wait for someone to validate me and bring me into their organization, or I could discover my own value, wrap it around a problem, and then sell it at a price that would matter most to them and benefit me at the same time. I had to be able to address a problem that meant most to other people. And that's not a commodity problem. I'm talking about get you up out of bed, stirring the floor two o'clock in the morning problem. So that was value. It was, I came back to value. It didn't, it wasn't about validation. I believe one of the biggest challenges is that we bought into a system seeking validation, validation from our degrees, validation for our peace. And now we want to be mattered to be validated rather than valued. If we chose to seek our value, if we chose to discover our value, then we wouldn't have to question what mattered because we know we're walking in our value. And as value, as valued individuals, what we do is we can start companies and hire people. 
We can start organizations and hire people. We can start practices. We can learn more and do more. Uh, you know, if, if, if our only uh, resolve is to seek validation and employment through someone else's organization, we are basically putting our livelihood in someone else's hands. When we take control and we operate in value, we take responsibility for the outcomes we produce and mm. the income we make as well. We remove the ceiling by stepping into value. We come under the ceiling by seeking validation. It is the difference between the two. We have to move towards a value system because when we operate in value, we do great things. Mm. We do great things and people it. begin to recognize that what we have to offer is of great substance and of value to them as well. I love it. We have nine minutes left and I hate I, fastest hour of your life. Would you agree? Right. Amazing, amazing group here. And I thank you guys so much. I'm just going to put, put last two questions out there as it relates to this idea of, and you mentioned value, right? We, we have to value ourselves. I think as leaders of organizations, leaders of business, we have we, most of them put out these declarations about what they believe. We have these mission statements and diversity statements, et cetera. What advice would you guys recommend to leaders who, to, to basically the, 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 the results oriented question is, let's ensure that your words align with your actions. Let's make sure we are able to get the results from those people who are most marginalized. All the data would say, we don't have to even ask that question, right? But what advice would you share with leaders who have not actually, it's a wake-up call. We'll call this the wake-up call. The last eight minutes will be our wake-up calls, right? Two leaders around moving forward with aligning your actions with the words that you say, or hearing people's stories, understanding their true value, as Coach A.M. said, and really being willing to do something different. I mean, change is hard. We're asking them to change the status quo. We're not saying do the same thing you've been doing. We're not saying, you know, do, continue to get sponsors for a few people in your organization. We're saying we want you to shift your entire paradigm. Dr. Chow, I'm going to have you begin this, and we're going to circle around with anyone else who wants to say anything. But when someone's shifting their paradigm, it's, you're saying psychologically, we need for you to truly shift to change to, to, to really pursue something majorly different. Dr. Chart, Yvonne, whoever, anybody, what are your thoughts and advice around truly challenging the status quo to change what you're thinking, to do something different, to engage? One thing, Tracy, that is a true reality, and I think we yeah, sort of touched on it or even talked about it, is that if those people, or if people, not just those people that are on uh, business owners, but if business owners are, uh, don't see uh, the, the, the value versus um, validation. If they don't see the difference between the two, their mindset is going to be the same. And the, and the whole point here is if the, if the leaders of these organizations, if they are content with what they've got, then they aren't, they aren't wanting to shift the paradigm. Their verbiage, their, their, their mission statements can say whatever it is that they, they, they say. They've settled into where they are right now because it's enough. And mm. if it's enough for them and they aren't willing to, 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 to do the work, they aren't willing to be courageous enough to move it forward. They don't, they don't want to be the odd man out. 
if they don't, they can, they'll, they'll just give you more pretty words. <laughs> they, aren't, they aren't gonna shift their paradigms. They're gonna use the term, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's gonna, but if you ask them, if you attempt to pin them down, be warned. And I say that honestly, with all sincerity in my heart, that may be the time that you're going to be stepping because you aren't going to be a part of that organization anymore. Why do you the, think I'm not where I was before? Yeah, I mean, think yeah, about yeah. it. Just, just saying. I mean, yeah. it, it, you, you know my story. Yeah. I mean, basically, I wasn't willing to allow the shenanigans that was happening to continue to happen. If you said this, I kept saying, this is what that looks like. Yes. Okay. I kept saying that. I kept holding them accountable until they said, you know what, I hear you, we can't do that. And I yes, called it exactly. adaptive leadership at the time. And I am grateful that they were able to say, we can't do that. I know what you're saying you need. Okay. I know we can't do that. And I was grateful for that, honestly. But at and the end of the day, you still got to hold companies like that accountable to say, then stop saying X. Stop okay. saying that you want. Still, uh, Tracy, if it yes. is, it has, it, it, that it sells. Okay. If it sells for me to tell you that, and there, there aren't enough, or there isn't one who's going to say, that's not what you said, then it's going to continue. Uh, AM a made the point. If they don't see what they can get out of that, they're going to continue to do what they've always done. And if they do what they've always done, they're gonna get what you always got, okay? So the issue <laughs> is, are you willing, when you say we use that term and you know what it means, and it means something harder than you're willing to embrace, then it's not going to happen. It's truly mm. as simple as that. Wow. Wow. That's what it looks wow. like. Okay, we got three minutes left, and I'm going to give it to, to Yvonne Terrell. Yvonne, this is your job. This is what you do for a living, baby. Help us out here. Take us home. I just think it's really important for us to, again, remember, you know, we are all a group of people um, in this work trying to figure out, you know, what's happening. When we go into organizations, all folks matter in the process. Uh, and I think when we talk about like, how do we get this work done? A part of it is that you do need an accountability plan. There needs to be a plan where folks are able to say, this is the consequence if you don't get this particular a goal or activity completed. And I think what happens is that we do write, you know, beautiful statements. Um, we uh, kind of lean into, um, you know, we're right there trying to get the job done. But a part of the work, one, is to go back to your mission, go back to your vision, go back to your values. Out of that and your policies, out of that should manifest, okay, this is what we said we're going to do. This is who we say we're going to connect with and serve. And then you need an accountability partner. You need a plan. You need a plan, a strategic plan that includes data, data that's disaggregated, and then data that is interpreted using an equity-mindedness mindset so that folks have a, not working from a deficit model, but working from an asset-based model. And then you need accountability. And I think that's important. I think what happens is we write these great place, uh, pieces, but there is no accountability. And then again, accountability has to come with consequences. I know it's just the way the world works. You know, if there's not an accountability, it's easy not to get the job done. And I think the coach was saying earlier, you know, leaning into those values, what do we value? I think in all the work that we do, you have to be able to go back to something in the structure. What does the structure say as it relates to your values, as it relates to your mission? It has to say something so you can land on that and move forward. Mm, I love it. We got one minute left. So 10 seconds, I'm gonna have each person say a word. The words are the little phrase that was the most valuable for you in this session. I'm gonna start with George. 
what words would you say that were most valuable for you that you heard as a part of this conversation? You, 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 you're, uh, you're muted. Everybody can unmute real quick because we're going to go fast. We've got one minute. George. Action. Love it. Uh, um, Albert. Know your value. All right. Uh, Dr. Jerry Bird Tart. Commitment. All right. Coach A.M. Williams. Value. Yvonne Terrell Powell. I would say, you know, now. Action. We need now. I, I was, I, I'm going to say action now. It's up to you. Know your value, know the value of the people that work for you, and take action now. This is Tracy Harrell. This has been another amazing, amazing engagement. So I want to thank you each for joining me today. Again, you can reach us at it's all Tracy, T R A C I, at it's all bigger than me dot, dot com. Thank you guys. This was absolutely amazing. It's bigger than me, but together, it's not bigger than us. We can do this. <laughs>